Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Welcome back. We're back. Yes. For a recap of a our recap. interview yes. with Lorraine Swineford. Yes, none other than my own mother. Can you believe it? Dear Mama. She's <laughs> so funny. It's so awesome. So cute. Yeah. I think the interview was great. It was our first interview. Mm-hmm. And I think we did a pretty good job. I think we did an awesome job, and I think she did an awesome job. She did so good. She, I'm so grateful that she spent her time to do that with us. And she was our first one, and I'm really glad so that we can kind of work out how logistically to do this without the pressure of, like, a stranger yeah. waiting for us to do the interview, you know? Exactly. Because we had to, like, move positions yeah. we had to like we were like hold on mom <laughs> yeah we had to switch entirely different rooms because the time the room that we were originally in when we wanted to record this just did not wi-fi wasn't working we had to do it on was. zoom as a whole thing yeah um so she was flexible she because was flexible she's my mom yeah she was chill <laughs> yeah. and i think we did a good job and <laughs> but i will say <laughs> We just rewatched some of it to like recap before we did. <laughs> we look so disinterested. I, I will say I look so angry and disinterested. That is just my face. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then I will like laugh at something somebody says and then immediately go back to the straight face. It just looks absolutely livid. Like you're dead inside type yes, face. Yes. And I didn't notice. And I just, ugh. That was ridiculous. I think it was hilarious. <laughs> and I we also... just laughed for like five minutes <laughs> about how we look on this video. <laughs> we look like the most pissed off people that you've ever seen. I My face as well is very oh, like deadpan. Yeah. And I wasn't making any expression with my lips. It was just like straight <laughs> lips. And mine kind of go down on the sides. So they <laughs> look like I'm actively frowning. <laughs> But, yeah, contrary to what that might have looked like, we enjoyed ourselves immensely. <laughs> I promise. We had a great time. Uh, I feel like, too, she really confirmed a lot of what we had recorded already. Yes. Which was nice. Um, nice to hear. And that was really cool. And I feel like she gave us really good personal nuggets and some specific yeah. descriptions of like family dynamics, how people can become codependent and the main, you know, I guess most destructive things about being codependent. It was just really good nuggets, you know, that if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the episode before this. Yeah. And I just want to say on a personal note, I am so excited for her and stoked on this new journey that yeah. she's taken with an entirely new career, becoming a therapist very recently. Yeah. Um, and it was so fun to be able to launch this season with her mm -hmm. because um, she literally has been the most wise person in our family for so many years. And the fact that she now has the credentials to back up all that, yeah. you know, it was so cool. So and she did kind of mention that, like how different that is and how much more reverence she gives to therapy and therapists because I think she was saying like being the person in your family who gives advice the wise one the person people come to going into therapy with that kind of like urge to help people and interest in 
those topics, but then once yeah. you actually get into the schooling and learn how therapy works and all of the knowledge that comes with it, she's like, goodness, how different that is than just giving advice. You know? Oh, yeah. There's a whole different clinical side to things. And I think for my own personal journey with therapy, I have been in and out of therapy for, I would say, the last two to three years. Um, and I want... I would love to just use my mom as my therapist because I think she is such a fantastic therapist. I think she's great at what she does. Mm-hmm. But then there's also that line of, but you're my mom. Yeah. <laughs> so I that's why I still seek out therapy outside of her because I still want mm-hmm. an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. I also want to be able to discuss a lot of my childhood in, mm-hmm. a, in a different way with someone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. But um, I still come to her all the time. I, I call her when I have a, when I'm going through a crisis or when something's happening, and she is just so good at cal- not only calming me down in the moment, but also shift helping shift my perspective on whatever mm-hmm. I'm freaking out about. Mm-hmm. And um, even though she's new to this profession, she still she has a ton of clients right now. But um, she is killing it. Like yeah. she'll call me and she'll tell me how a session went. And I'm like, wow, and you said that? And she's like, she's like, yeah. And then I was like, and what did they say back to that? And she's like, well, I think they were shocked and they, you know, because she's doing um, marriage and family therapy, so she deals with a lot of couples. And so she'll just tell me what their reactions were. And it's just so cool to, like, see the evolution of my own mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to be like, you came from this background of being this, like, badass sales bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Boss bitch. <laughs> Honestly, though, um, she has, you know, she's definitely surprised me and wowed the whole family in so many ways. And I can't, um, mm-hmm. I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. She has yeah. some really important nuggets about codependency. She's done a lot of research on it. And uh, yeah, let's dive into some of the things we love it. We loved about it. And just to be clear, when she talks about clients, she's not giving any personal information or identifiers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, and John the other day. <laughs> you know, I showed you his picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine. This is him on Instagram. This is his whole family. Nope, none of that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I don't know. Let's just talk about some different things we hit on in the interview and what really stood out to you, what you have been reflecting on, and what's helped you most. Mm-hmm. You know? And not you, but both of us. <laughs> just me. Yeah, nope, just it's all you. about me. Go ahead. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> Well, she starts off the episode, well, we we discuss codependency origins in the beginning, which um, me and you discussed in our first episode mm-hmm. on season one about codependency, because codependency is not just linked to the people who were with um, addicted people, or let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the the people who are who are heavily linked to addicted people in their lives. Yeah. And um, addiction and codependency have always been super closely linked for years before we started doing the research or mental health uh, professionals started doing the research and realizing that it's it affects so many people, not just people who have dealt with addiction or who have it, you know, addicted people in their lives. Yeah. So um, that's she, important to know because I do feel like people think it doesn't apply to them if they don't have that in their life. And it might. 
Right, right. And like we had mentioned in the episode one of season one, we mentioned if you actually look up the definition of codependency, um, it will give you an answer about addiction more so than anything. Mm -hmm. And even that is annoying because it's like Mm -hmm. Google can't even define codependency. Right. And even Melody um, Beattie talks about that in her book, too, where there's just not a definitive you know, answer. Although your mom did mention in that book, she does, because it was her personal experience, she does talk a lot about and relate it a lot to having someone in your life who's addicted. In that book, she does. It's pretty heavily about that. True. Um, so, I, you know, even if that is your one source, mm-hmm. that really speaks a lot to people who have addiction in their relationships, you know? Right. So I yeah. thought that was powerful that she was, you know, clarifying that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important to know because a lot of us struggle with it, but yet don't have anybody who is addicted in our families or we don't struggle with addiction ourselves. So it's confusing because the material that you might read in books or online, it all talks about addiction. So if that's not you, just know that um, it can affect everybody from all different walks of life. It can come from your childhood. Mm-hmm. It can come and from... she said most of the time it does come from your childhood because it's like how you learn to trust people. Yes. Right. Yes. Your trust patterns and, and, and like, yeah. oh, are you learning you have to manipulate and control to be okay? Are you learning that you have to, you know, anticipate what the other person needs and do that or you aren't regulated, you know? Exactly. What we didn't discuss more in depth on that interview was the fact that codependency still can come from a, either a romantic relationship or a friendship that really did a number on you Mm -hmm. as far as trust goes, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, It can undermine your trust if you were an otherwise trustworthy type person. Um, But what she definitely hones in on, which is the childhood aspect, Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of us can relate to that, which is, I mean, me and you talk about this all the time, about trust and how how we we just have a hard time with it. (laughs) I just Googled trust, how, question mark. (laughs) Yeah, trust to do that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think the biggest takeaway for me in this conversation was her comment about differentiation yes because you know we've talked before and I think we had an episode about it on detachment Mm -hmm. right and feeling like you can let go yeah and her comment on this I think one of us brought that up and then she brought up differentiation Mm-hmm. And how this was her capstone project project in school. Um, and I can't remember the person that she mentioned, but um, she was saying, you know, a part of codependency, the main part is that you feel so enmeshed with the other person and their ideals and their values and what they say and their likes and dislikes and what they need. Mm-hmm. And that really is, if I were to give it a, you know, definition of what my codependency feels like it feels like that it feels like I'm fully enmeshed with the other person I can't get out of your mind yes you know I am completely connected to you in a way that is not autonomous Mm -hmm. I am I am you you are me I think the same way you do and Mm -hmm. I want to be in your head essentially (laughs) and live there and snuggle up with a blanket yes and so she was saying just really important to find that inner you that inner identity and diff she used the word differentiate Mm -hmm. and yeah I just think that that's so important like and really helped me and I think I mentioned this like visualize Mm -hmm. that like how there's like something connecting us to and then I can like 
slice down the middle of that thing and differentiate and push away from you, you know? Yeah, and just so, I just kind of wanted to pull this up real quick as a quick definition that Google gave me right now with, uh, comes from attachmentproject.com, which seems like a pretty credible source. It says, enmeshment is a condition in which two or more people, typically family members, are involved in each other's activities and personal relationships to an excessive degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, that thing of like, you each have a role. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like, I just know what I'm supposed to do, who I'm supposed to be with you, and I just do it. There's right. no, it's not explicit. Right. You know? And that's why it's so hard to talk about. That's why it's so hard to notice. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And when you talked about differentiation, um, when my mom, we, we talked about this prior to this podcast episode because she's the first person who introduced me to that concept of dif- differentiation. And she gave me an example. It's like, you know... Um, when someone calls you and they're freaking out about something like, oh, my God, what am I going to do about this thing and blah, blah, blah. And instead of matching that energy and being like, you know, oh, my God, and freaking out with them, I'm so sorry. And, and like matching what they're doing instead, just being like the calm, level headed one and staying standing your ground mm-hmm. in who, how you might approach that situation versus just completely jumping into whatever mm-hmm. emotions they're experiencing. Now you're experiencing it. Yeah, That's a, a kind of a part of a meshment, which is like, oh, we're, we're the same. And, mm-hmm. and in order to make you feel seen, I'm going to act out the same way that you're yeah. acting out right now instead of just being like, well, I'm going to actually take a step back and, and see this differently, mm-hmm. you know, and, and approach this differently. Yeah. And how helpful is that? And the thing is, is that the reason we don't do that is that the other person is relying on you to be the role that they expect you to be because it yes. feeds whatever they need and they're not allowing you to be you right? and accept what you're giving, accept what's helpful about what you're giving. It's like you anticipate that negative response mm-hmm. and then you just fall right into that role rather than knowing what is helpful about you being that way and following your true identity and what you really believe and feel and want to say in that moment. And then that's what's so hard is that eventually you don't know because you haven't been that ever. Right. And then as soon as you start showing what you believe to be an authentic response to what's happening, they might act strange that you're, they're like, well, this person isn't being the person that I'm, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. always used to. Yeah. And that, is another part of when you differentiate or when you practice self-differentiation, there's going to be some weird reactions Mm -hmm. to it because people aren't used to it. Yeah. And then it just comes naturally with that guilt that you feel of like, I'm supposed to be this thing and I'm not being this thing and they're responding badly. Therefore I'm bad. I'm the problem. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, And yeah, I was just talking to my therapist about this a little bit too. She was like about a specific situation in my life. And I said, you know, I'm okay with how things are, but I know that person might not be and Mm -hmm. thinks, I think that I'm the problem or that I created this problem or that I'm doing something wrong, not changing or fixing it. Yeah. And she says... Well, they're they're fully entitled to think that, but they're also fully entitled to come at this from a curious perspective and listen to you and want to change and fix with you, and they're not doing that. 
Right. You know, and I'm, right. and I just don't think about that. I'm like, everything is just my bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like even when I know that I'm making a change for the better for myself mm-hmm. when I'm doing something where I feel really good about it, but yet someone else might show that they're not okay with mm-hmm. that. And it's like, it's my fault. I screwed everything up. I screwed up this dynamic with this person. But really, like you had mentioned, maybe they're the ones not being curious towards this. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, me and you personally talk about this a lot. Curiosity in general is such a good trait to have. Mm-hmm. It's not only so attractive in someone, but just in general, remaining curious about life and about people mm-hmm. and not immediately assigning judgment when they act different than what you're expecting them to act mm-hmm. or when they're saying things that are different from how they usually are. It's like keeping mm-hmm. that open perspective and a, cur- a healthy curiosity towards people in mm-hmm. life people and life you know it's that's just how you should always be but totally and you know in talking to her this is where I feel like I get the most confused because I'm like I don't you know if I'm I can say that to myself as well like okay let me be curious about why they're being however they're being you know I don't want to immediately assume or judge or take personally that they are you know, not doing X, Y, Z. And then me immediately thinking that they have a problem with this or with me. Right. Unless they have specifically stated that, mm-hmm. you know. So it goes both ways. But it's just, I think, holding space for the fact that it's not immediately your fault. This is your life and you can, yeah, you know, make the choices that you want to make. And you just want to do it with openly communicating boundaries when in a you know way that is safe and then being curious about the other person's response without taking it personally and that's right. what I would hope from somebody else but again not judging someone for not doing that then you that curiosity can come out and be like oh I wonder why that's they're responding that way because it's not me it's right them Right. I wonder why they responded in that way and then completely separate yourself from that. Mm -hmm. Just be like, hmm, that's interesting they responded that way. Not assigning judgment to it, Mm -hmm. but also not um, degrading ourselves in the Mm -hmm. process. Exactly. It's not because of me. Right. You know. Right. Exactly. And I need to fix that. Right. Oh, oops. What can I do to make that response different? Right. And then you end up going backtracking back Mm -hmm. to how you were that made you unhappy in that dynamic. And it's, you know, it's almost like the boundary thing where it's like we put up a boundary and as soon as they react in a way that's not a good way, then we go back on that boundary. Yep. And it's like, well, I'm going to remove that boundary. Yep. I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, so she also talks about this concept of inter- interdependent instead of codependent. Yeah. How like interdependence is the goal. Yeah. And when you actually think about that concept, it's... You know, codependent means so many things when we're depending on other people or depending on the responses, depending on um, how they're going to respond in certain situations. But interdependent is part of that self-differentiation process where you're you're comfortable in yourself Mm -hmm. and you don't rely on everybody's reactions and things to To know you feel okay, Right. Like you ask for help when you need it. Yeah. Which is so hard for so many people. Right. You ask for help when you need it, and you give help when you can give it, and you say no when you cannot. Right. And then you're not in that spiral tornado of 
reading everyone's emotions to try to change them and make them all okay. Yes, and it's exhausting doing Mm. that. Me and you have talked about this. It is just flat-out exhausting when you put so much energy into that. Yeah. And I think the way to live happier, healthier lives is to detach from that. Totally. Well, because then, of course, nobody's – you don't feel like anyone's doing that for you, so you become resentful of everybody. Yeah, yeah. And then you're just carrying around resentment, which only hurts you, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So this concept of interdependence, you know, we Megan and I, when we talk about codependency and trying to be the opposite of that, I don't think in season one we really knew what the term was for what the opposite of a codependent would be. And I think she correctly, um, you know, identifies that term as interdependent, mm-hmm. which is the term that we should think about when wanting to pursue a different way other than being codependent. Healthy relationships with secure attachment. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think... Two, something that really hit me was her talking about how the most, like the main destructive part of a codependent relationship is the controlling behavior. That's what ends up being yeah. destructive to relationships. Mm-hmm. And that, w- that really struck me because, you know, not because I guess we haven't heard it before, we haven't even talked about it in season one, but just that from a clinical perspective, that's the most destructive piece of this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy because there's so many things that you can point out about the destructive parts of codependency. Mm-hmm. But controlling is one of the biggest ones. We're wanting to mm-hmm. control outcomes. We're wanting to control people's reactions to things. Yep. We're wanting to um, just control. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it is a part of getting that fix. Like, I really think analogous. it's analogous to say that, like, high crash to low, chasing the high again, it, it is exactly that feeling of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is a, uh, this is a low, you're not responding, you seem upset, I need to do something to get you to respond in a way that makes me feel back to that high, back to that okay point, that you're, you're happy and you're okay with me. Yes. You know? Yes. And then, oh, whew, okay, I got it. I got that smile, that laugh, that normal text. Right. Okay. We're good. Mm -hmm. And then it plummets again because, uh, you know, you texted okay with a period, you know. Exactly. And then I need that normal text again. I need an emoji. Mm -hmm. Give it to me or I'm not okay, you know. It's manipulative in a way. It's very manipulative. And you don't want to think of yourself that way. But. but That's what's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is that. It's so hard to be honest with ourselves in a way that is truly authentic. And Mm -hmm. I think control it doesn't always look the way that we perceive control to be Mm -hmm. when we've talked about this in previous episodes where it's it's not just like i am controlling you right now in this moment you need to do this Mm -hmm. and like tell definitive statements to their face it Mm -hmm. can be so sly it can be so you know i'm going to text you this particular thing Mm -hmm. because i know you're going to react in that way and then i'm going to get you back on my side yep and uh, that's where it gets destructive. It's, it's sneaky, it's manipulative, mm-hmm. and it's not always just an open expression of control. It's, yeah. it's so much more than that. Well, and that's why, and we'll do an episode on this in the future, but um, that's why people, I think, are more susceptible if they are prone to being codependent and have been in codependent relationships their whole life. They're prone to getting into cults. Oh, yeah. Because cults are all about coercive control, which is turning into a legal term now that there's precedent with all these court cases with the leaders of cults, you know, being tried and and convicted, luckily. Right. Um, That coercive control is real. And, you know, they are doing it with malice 
intent mm-hmm. with malintent mm-hmm. um, to a large group of people and, you know, awful things. But, but I think because these words are associated with horrible people and horrible things that, you know, big drastic moments in time that we don't feel like they apply to us. I know. You know, but yep. it is coercive control. If I am texting someone a question, not because I want to know the answer, but because I want to decipher their text to make yeah. myself feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's all for your self gratification and you yeah. had no, um, you didn't, your intention was not pure. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't, it's not. And, and, I, <laughs> and like, it's not right it's now. It's so, not, it's right, not now. right now. <laughs> you doing this podcast is... To get yeah, everyone no. to tell me that they like me. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But really, I mean, that is so really, really profoundly hard to come to terms with. Oh, my gosh. It's so hard because we want to be able to separate ourselves from the cult leaders of the world and be like, yeah. well, I'm not that terrible. Right, right. And yeah, I mean, that's true to sure, a certain degree. Right. <laughs> sure. But, but it's the same concept, just on a much smaller scale with maybe less consequences. You know, that right. that's good. But but it's but that's the thing is that you want people want a perfect bad guy. Mm-hmm. People want a perfect vi- villain and a perfect victim. And that's just not the world, you know, and it's like I'm a good person. And that's what I loved about your mom. She's like, separate you from the behavior. Yeah. It's like, you are not controlling. This behavior is controlling. Absolutely. So let's, and that I think was a really, also something that struck me in the same way, in the same vein. Cause it's like, no, I'm not a villain. Right. I don't have to, that's what kind of gets you. I think in your mind when you're, you, you, you like can't pass this threshold of agreeing with yourself that you are controlling yeah because i'm like no that cult leader is controlling because that's what i associate i've watched 800 documentaries about (laughs) it who hasn't you know and you're like well no that that person is that i'm not that person but it doesn't mean you're that type of person and it doesn't mean you're a bad person this behavior is this way isolate the behavior from the person because that's when we get into shame versus guilt versus all those other things right shame is when we're blaming ourselves and not looking at the behavior for Mm. what it is and so powerful that's what we all do i think we all tell ourselves we're a terrible person Mm. because we did x y and z sure maybe the behavior was terrible maybe you are not inherently terrible Mm -hmm. and she also talks about how even the label of codependency right it's like we we've talked about this like we are codependent people i struggle with i am codependent but mm-hmm. it's like even just kind of changing up that language and mm-hmm. saying i struggle with codependency mm-hmm. versus i am a codependent person and that is all mm-hmm. i am yeah and I'm, that's the whole thing you know. in mental health world of like pe- person first language you know uh, yeah everyone you know wants to use um language that doesn't state that the person is this thing right it's a person with this thing or like with struggling with this thing exactly because at the end of the day we're complex human beings it would be a disservice to say Mm -hmm. i am just this one thing Mm -hmm. i am many things Mm -hmm. do i struggle with codependency yes i do a lot (laughs) (laughs) i have many things i uh, struggle with codependency and anger issues okay (laughs) i am both of those (laughs) honestly but it kind of comes down to that whole thing of yes and right Mm -hmm. like using and Mm -hmm. statements Mm -hmm. it's really yeah it applies you know 
Absolutely. Yeah, so she also discusses recognizing when you're in codependency and needing support for that. Yeah, so she talks about um, how to, we asked her, like, what are the main things to get out of it? How do you deal with it? And the first thing she said was you awareness. Well, yeah, that's exactly all of our number ones and all of season one, every <laughs> single number one, how to action step was awareness. Right. And that's the same thing. Recognize that you need help and, and get support, you know, whether it be a friend or a loved one or family or whatever, mm-hmm. um, reach out, reach out, you know, and then she says therapy. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's expensive sometimes, but if you can find it through your insurance. Yeah. You just found someone through your insurance, right? I did. And if you actually go on psychologytoday.com, mm-hmm. you can actually look up therapists who have specialties. So like the therapist I'm working with now actually works in recovers, uh, codependency recovery groups. Cool. So if you actually do the research on it, you can find someone that matches your needs now that you are step one aware. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> And then what she also talks about is mindfulness practices, and she talks yeah. about the stigma with that. There's a lot of people who just... Oh, mindfulness. Right, yeah. And it's so much more powerful than we're giving it. Um, we need to really think about the impact of actually stopping and being mindful in these moments. I know yeah. that she's actually... There's a few times where I came to her and I told her that I'm struggling with this... Um, like I'll tell her I'm I having this text conversation with someone and they're kind of being hot and cold with me right now. And, you know, I was like, should I text this? And then she'll be like, okay, but what's your intention behind that? Like, why would you text that? And I'm like, because I'm hoping that they're going to respond like this. Again, that's the coercive control thing we just talked about. Exactly. And so she will kind of check me on that and I'll be like, oh, because I won't realize it. Yeah. I, in the moment, I'm just thinking, well, you know, I'm going to text this thing and whatever. But if you mm-hmm. stop and be mindful, what is my intent behind doing this thing, saying this thing, yep. believing this thing? Um, is it, I mean, is it totally pure? Because a lot of the times it's not. Yeah. So I know that I, I kind of went back, backtracked on that. But going back to mindfulness, I think if we just stop in the moment and realize why are we acting the way that we're acting what triggered yeah. us? I mean, yeah. sometimes we just need to know what the trigger was so yeah. we can understand it better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she really hones in on that mindful thing. I mean, that's huge for me. And, you know, I've talked a little bit about this um, just idea that my whole body was out of whack. Yeah. Until I started mindfulness more regularly, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just so – it's such a good way to get into your body. It's such a good way to remind yourself of your natural – rhythm that you have that you forget you have right because you're up in everybody else's business (laughs) exactly so it just gets you back to you and then you can recognize those intentions better absolutely just stopping taking a few deep breaths and realizing who you are Mm -hmm. and not uh you're not that other person right now you're not their responses there you're not their reactions whatever you are you so you got to stop in the moment work on do breath work too i know Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. poo poo that it honestly take a few deep breaths and yep. realize you feel so much better. You know? Totally. And then one last thing, mm-hmm. she also just talks about codependent, or I'm sorry, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, that specific type of therapy she said has been known to help specifically with codependency. Yes, because it looks at our neural pathways. It looks at the the way that our brain is firing and rewiring, mm-hmm. and it makes an attempt to again change the it. behavior because that's yeah. the problem. You are not the problem. Exactly. And on that, do Do you you like us? us? Thanks for joining. Bye.